1: If I give you some information, at least know the rules before you put them in the press. Red and yellow bands, they don't have to wear them at practice. That's for indoors. I got to we should be fine for red and yellow bands because they ain't got them on their practice. That if you're going to report that, make sure it's right. Bruce Arians, coach of the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, always a colorful character, and apparently he's got the goods on somebody or some buddies. Who messed up the reporting? So he put them on blast. Colorful bands and colorful language. That was one bleep, two bleeps, three bleeps, four bleeps, five bleeps. I count uh, two Fs, two Ss, and a BS. Yep. Yeah, there it is. Shane of Florida, Miami Dolphins Pro Bowl quarterback. Not quarterback. Cornerback. Cornerback. Is the C that close to the Q? No. Okay. Xavier Howard revealed in social media posts that he has requested a trade, saying in part, I don't feel valued or respected by the Dolphins. Just like they can take a business-first approach, so can I. He's due $12 million in non-guaranteed money this season. So, high stakes for him. Losing $12 million in non-guaranteed money pretty quick. Have to see how that plays out. The shades of uh, Aaron Rodgers here. The NFL, heavy-handed? I had never heard that before. Easy for me to say, that, sitting here in a non-NFL state. Whereas he's in the locker room, taking whatever he's taken from the Dolphins' front office. There are people who like the Dolphins this year. The Bills are the easy pick to win the division. Jets have a massive rebuilding job, all kinds of question marks in New England. Some people, actually a lot of people, have Buffalo as second-best team in the AFC behind only the Chiefs. But... Things don't always go according to script in the NFL. Certainly injuries are a massive part of the game. And the Dolphins are getting a little bit of hype. The NFL said there are no restrictions on Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson in training camp despite his facing 22 active lawsuits that alleged sexual assault or sexually inappropriate behavior. Trevor Bauer sitting over there going, I got one and nobody's going to let me out on the field in baseball. But the NFL, if not game on, because we're not at the games yet, practice on. The Green Bay Packers are working on a deal to bring back Randall Cobb to the franchise from the Texans at Aaron Rodgers' behest. The deal will require Cobb to agree to a revamped contract to fit under the salary cap, but the trade is reportedly close to being done. Why are the Texans cooperating? I get Green Bay's motivation. Texans are like, oh, you need this guy back? Oh, sure. What are they getting? Draft picks? Can't wait to see the deal details on that. DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag college football. Thank you. All Appreciate right. it. There you go. That is the commissioner
1: of the Pac-12, George. Uh, uh, now I can't say it. Kal- uh, <laughs> no, I missed it. See, I, I, I wasted at the beginning. Thank you very much, Chris. Uh, you nailed Kri-ishner. it, man. Just, just have Austin back in the studio, just George commissioner, Klyavkov. and then he could play the first. Kliovkov. Thank you, Austin. That's uh, George Kliovkov. Jeez, I blew it there. Sit down. We, <laughs> thank you, Austin. Where were you five minutes ago? Two minutes ago? One minute ago? All right. There's Jake Scott struggling with the commissioner's last name, Kliovkov. Of course, I've got it right in front of me, so I'm cheating. That was a lot of content from the Pac-12 media days. We just replayed, I thought, a really good interview. I'm with PK. It was just too short. Britton Covey, breaking down quarterbacks, breaking down spring games and expectations. I thought it was excellent. If you didn't hear it, go to 1280thezone.com. Really good stuff. There were so many interviews all day long. I don't know where to jump in. The preseason poll, which we were talking about about 24 hours ago, pretty predictable in the North, very predictable in the South. And the commissioner coming out and saying Utah could win the national championship. Look at him hyping it up. We're going to focus on football and men's basketball. It's not really what the Conference Conference of Champions was known for the last decade. How is he going to leverage the TV negotiations to get the most money possible to quell any talk of teams jumping or realignment in this part of the world? Very interesting. Other college news: University of Texas and University of Oklahoma formally notified the SEC they're taking seeking an invitation for membership. Of course, you don't do something like that until everything's done behind the scenes. 11 of the 14 SEC member schools will have to vote for it to happen, and so far people can only identify one no vote, which is Texas A&M. I mean, Tennessee and Kentucky and Vanderbilt and South Carolina are going to get more money, but Mississippi, Mississippi State, how, how are they going to compete? You just accept, hey, we're in the league, and Alabama's going to come to town, or Oklahoma's going to come to town, it's going to be exciting. It is hard For Florida, Georgia, LSU, and Auburn, to hang with what's going on. For that matter, how's Texas going to compete? Texas has its hands full with Kansas State and Iowa State. But who cares? You're in the exclusive club. You get the money. UNLV is going to add former Ohio State and Miami quarterback Tate Martell to their roster this fall. A former four-star prospect out of Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas, he's coming home. Two seasons of eligibility left. Couldn't get the starting job at the Ohio State. You dropped down a level to a Power 5 school, but no longer an elite Power 5 school Miami. Doesn't work out there. Back home to a group of 5 school. See how that plays out. DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag NBA.
1: As expected, the NBA Board of Governors gave approval Tuesday to the plan and will bring back the play-in tournament in April of 2022. Format will be the same as this past season. Teams that finish 7, 8, 9, 10 will play to determine the 7 and 8 seeds. 7 and 8 seeds don't really go anywhere, but owners don't care. It slows down, but doesn't stop, but slows down dumping games. An extra home game is worth a lot of extra money. The owner wants the extra money. That puts the pressure on the GM and the coach, and then the pressure goes right down to the players. Seven and eight, you're going to get an extra home game. You might get two. I guess seven and nine get an extra home game. Seven might get two. Eight might get an extra home game. Even if you're 11th or 12th, if you're close enough, you battle for 10 just to get in. There's a chance. So to that degree, I guess it's good. But how did 7 and 8 do once we got to the playoffs? The Lakers could have, makes air quotes, made some noise if they'd been healthy. But they weren't, so they were out in six games. I'm for it. Go ahead, play it. It's a couple extra games. I'm good with it. I don't think it fixes everything, but it does seem to slow down the dumping of games. at the end of the year. Former NBA, our former president, Barack Obama, has joined NBA Africa as a strategic partner and minority owner. The NBA announced Tuesday, NBA Africa conducts the league's business on that continent, including most notably the new Basketball Africa League. Obama plans to help the league's social responsibility efforts, including programs and partnerships across the continent that support greater gender equality and economic inclusion. He'll also have a minority equity stake in NBA Africa, which he intends to use to fund Obama Foundation youth and leadership programs across Africa. Starting to see some players come out of Africa. And I guess it depends on how you score it. I mean, Akim Olajuwon would be the best player. I, I got that one. Now he came to U.S. colleges, and sometimes people want to create a second category, but... If you're developing young players, if they come to U.S. colleges, I mean, it's kind of like the players getting discovered in Australia. If they come to U.S. colleges, okay. And if they don't, uh, I don't see Jazz fans complaining about Joe Ingles.
0: Well, Patty Mills played at St. Mary's. Yeah, if
1: you come through St. Mary's, Vadova, right? Yeah. yeah. So, whatever. Uh, I, I think the, curr- the best current player, am I missing someone here, Yach? Would it be Pascal Siakam? He's probably the top yeah. current. But a lot more can be done there. And of course, the NBA thinks they can also build a lot more fans there, let's be honest. Yeah, <laughs>
2: untapped market. There's jerseys, Hello?
1: there's jerseys to be sold. There's TV money to be acquired. Dallas Mavericks, Setire, longtime NBA assistant, former Phoenix Suns head coach, former Jazz assistant, Igor Kokoskov, as an assistant on Jason Kitt's coaching staff. Kokoskov was at Fenerbahce in Turkey and, of course, has a personal relationship with Luka Doncic and told the Phoenix Suns to draft Luka Doncic. They didn't, and then they fired him. Now they get to the finals anyway, and Aiden wasn't a total bust, although he wasn't very good in Game 6 either. And I think as much as you want his relationship with Doncic, what can he tell you about the foreign players coming out of Europe? As we watch the U.S. team struggle, losing a couple tune-up games, losing their opener. That was quite the run at the start of the Iran game. Oh my gosh. Don't need to get behind the paywall to see that. Thank you very much. But there's a lot made about the U.S. doesn't have their best players. And it's true. It's also true the U.S. doesn't have the best players. Now, it's also true that other countries are only starting to get to the point where they have the depth of NBA players. Yeah. Greece has the Antetokounmpo family, and then the depth falls off dramatically. But right now, there are people who are sure Luka Doncic is the best player in the game. Foreign player. The NBA MVP, Nikola Jokic, foreign player. The NBA Finals MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo, foreign player. Are those foreign players doing in the NBA? Not fully good right now. So maybe Igor Kokoskov can help the Mavericks find more because they'd had Don Nelson Jr., who was at the forefront of the international movement, and he's out in Dallas after almost a quarter of a century. All right, DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag Major League Baseball. Whoa! Oh! Matani! Way up there!
1: 36! Two balls and a strike to Fernando runner on first two outs. This pitch hit in the air to deep
0: left field. Canna, not wow. even gonna move. It is way, way wow. back underneath the video board and left. Swung on by bottom that is hit well and gone. Way out of here. I mean a line drive home run that went out of here. Lickety split. Home runs
1: from around the major leagues. Didn't go with the sound from that Giants game, huh? That was a heck of an error. A lot of stuff went wrong in that. But you heard Shohei Ohtani, homer. That's 36 home runs. That's tops in the major leagues. Vlad Guerrero Jr. has 32. Fernando Tatis Jr. has 31. Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado, homering as the Padres beat the Athletics 7-4. That's the same score as the Reds and the Cubs. Joey Votto hit two homers in that game. Should mention Shohei in that game. The Rockies beat the Angels 12-3. But the Angels... I mean, we're here for the Shohei Otani show. Do we, do we think the Angels are going anywhere? The Angels haven't gone anywhere for a while. And 100 games into the season, a nice round number, they have 50 wins and they have 50 losses. And these days, that puts you at the edge of the wildcard race. The Rays look far and away the best wildcard team, and maybe they'll win the division and make the Red Sox the wildcard team. That's more drama on that end. Uh, And then you get down to all the teams that are barely over 500. Angels are five games behind the A's. Four games behind the Mariners. So that's what they're chasing to get to the wild card. I mean, it's doable, but it just doesn't seem likely the way things are going. As far as the throwing error in the Giants game, Giants and Dodgers playing again. It's 1-1. It's the eighth inning. And everyone's going to focus on Bellinger with the throwing error. He chucked that ball. Man, he he missed the mark at third base by I don't even know how much. It wasn't close. It was a, it was you hear a wild throw. It was a wild throw, but a lot of stuff went wrong before that. First off, it's one one in the eighth. Don't walk a guy. Second, don't walk two guys. So you got two runners on because you walked them. The ground ball to second, and I get you want to chase the runner down, tag him, and get the double play. But when you can't tag him because he stops in the baseline to then throw the ball to first? No! You gotta get that runner. Run him back to first and tag him. Or turn and throw the ball to second. I thought throwing the ball to first was option number three. Do you want runners at second and third? Or do you want runners at first and third? It seems like that's a pretty obvious choice. And yet, the wrong one was made. And then came the throwing error. So I scored at least three things going wrong in that inning before the fourth thing went wrong, which was the low light. More for you Giants fans, the highlight. Bees get blown out by the Las Vegas Aviators 11-1. They begin a six-game begin a six-game series in Albuquerque against the Isotopes tomorrow night at 6.35. Trade deadline coming up. Uh, Mariners trade their uh, reliever Kendall Graveman to Houston Astros before acquiring starting left-handed pitcher Tyler Anderson from the Pirates. Washington National star Steven Strasburg will have Season-ending neck surgery after being diagnosed with neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome. He was one and two in five starts this year. The guy's had a lot of surgeries. Well, especially he leads into that World Series title in 2019. It's kind of been a just cavalcade
0: of issues since then.
1: When he's healthy, he's awesome. Oh, absolutely, yeah. He's just healthy, but the thoracic syndrome outlet... Sounds like first cousin to what we've seen with some local athletes here. Well Nick Emery not, not thoracic. Yes. notably had that same right. issue. He had surgery for it. Was that the exact same
0: thing? I don't know if it's the exact same right. thing. If
1: he had thoracic outlet syndrome. He had to have surgery on ribs to relieve it, and that's why he wore the long sleeves and whatnot. Well, if you gotta have it. You gotta have it. Trade deadline coming up. Um Adam Frazier. Man, the Pirates, they're just, they're just selling.
2: Fire sale.
1: Yeah. And the Padres, if you got an all-star second baseman, get another all-star second baseman. But they can move guys to first base or left field. It's about getting another bat. They don't score as many runs as the Giants and Dodgers, and they want to close the gap. Dodgers actually score almost half a running game more. Quite a bit. So deals happening everywhere, and we might have something for you again tomorrow morning. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up next, Chad Ford, NBA draft expert, proprietor of Chad Ford's NBA Big Board newsletter and podcast. He'll join us at 7.30. Eric Walden, Utah Jazz beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune at 9 o'clock. What are the Jazz going to do in the draft? Trade up, trade back, trade out. Sit right where they are. Because they like somebody. seems like that's the thing to bet against. There's too many options. And we do know how much movement there's going to be in this. We had David Locke on last week, and we'll run this by Chad Ford next. Is there anyone that deep in the draft who's going to help the Jazz in the playoffs in the next three years? The future is now. Rudy Gobert is 29 years old. Donovan Mitchell is now done with his rookie contract. He's now into his second deal. And you're a restricted free agent going from that first to the second deal. But he'll be an unrestricted free agent going to his third deal. So the Jazz are on the clock. Whether you want to obsess about Donovan Mitchell's contract, or if you want to obsess about Rudy's advancing age, or if you want to obsess about both, the Jazz are on the clock. The future is now. Now is the time. So are they going to trade out? There are some people who might want to trade in. We'll talk with Chad Ford about that coming up next. Eric Walden, Utah Jazz beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. He'll join us at 9 o'clock. We'll get his theories as well. Also coming up this morning... Big story in the Olympics, and the Olympics are on TV right now, so I don't think people are listening to the radio for the Olympics. If you care about the Olympics, I think you're you're following the Olympics. But the Simone Biles story isn't just about the Olympics. This is about local high school sports. This is about local college sports. It may be about the Jazz. But it is definitely about college football and basketball. With, without question we've Tim LaCombe on he does the jazz pre-half and post he was on the staff at Utah with Rick Majeris uh, back in the 90s he was on a, he was at BYU as an assistant coach for a long time and i asked him how much more time are you spending on players mental health and working on their mindset and mental health is a wide range versus what you had to do 10 or 15 years ago he could barely get out words he discovered like, oh, so much more more. I mean, it's a massive number. It's a huge deal. Now, Simone Biles, four-time Olympic gold medalist, and she also had a bronze from 2016. So I know some people scoffed at this and like, you're at the Olympics. Suck it up. And I might have been told that when I was a coach. And honestly, even today, sometimes that might be the right answer. But it isn't always the right answer. And if you're a parent or you're a coach, how are you supposed to know? We'll talk with Riley Jensen about all that at 8 o'clock. And what he sees with athletes' mental health. And, you know, we don't know Simone Biles and we're not with Simone Biles. She's half a world away. So to say specifically this is what is happening with Simone Biles seems like a risky proposition to me. But this also doesn't seem like a one off. I get it's a bigger deal because it's the Olympics and there isn't much else going on in sports and NFL camps haven't opened and the NBA's done. And she's a four time gold medalist and was going to be the face of these games. So I get why it's a big story. But I I don't think this is just specifically about Simone Biles. So we'll talk with Riley about that coming up at 8 o'clock. Chad Ford next. Stay with us.
0: Win, win, win. It's a win ticket Wednesday on the Zone Sports Network. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Win. Listen all day for the win ticket Wednesday sounder for your chance to win tickets. What? What? Authorized back To all the biggest concerts, games, and other great events here in the state of Utah. It's a win-ticket Wednesday right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. Woo! On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
1: Olympic Updates brought to you by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Summer Lasik Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save a $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com. Or call Davis Vision today at 801-253-3080. 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Time to talk NBA Draft now with Chad Ford. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at SmartRain.net. Chad, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So, Chad, here comes the NBA draft. Do you feel like this has been obscured a little bit, overlooked, the late finals, into the Olympics? It seems like there's a lot less hype for the second straight year.
2: Yeah, you know, maybe because I'm immersed in the draft, I certainly don't feel that way. I mean, Cade Cunningham is a big buzz name right now. This is one of the best drafts that we've had at the top in a really long time. Uh, I do think that, some of these players maybe don't quite have the same cachet uh, that maybe they normally would, like Jalen Green, for yeah. example, or Jonathan Kaminga because they played in the G League, not in college basketball. But uh, I-, I think this is an incredible draft, and uh, I- I've certainly, on on my site, seen enormous interest uh, increase in interest over last year.
1: Really? All right. Well, see, that may just go to the local bias of the Jazz drafting 30 and having no shot at Cade Cunningham whatsoever.
2: Yeah, that's part of it. I mean, you know, it's it's hard to get excited about the thirtieth pick in any draft. And I think especially this year, there's sort of a cutoff in this draft about where I think the talent really lies. That cuts off unfortunately, you know, five, six picks before the Jazz are selecting at thirty. And so I you know, I know just didn't even, you know, talking talking to the Jazz, it's it's tough to get super excited about the thirtieth pick in this draft. I mean that's normally the case, but I think it's definitely the case this year as well.
1: Okay, but we've seen so many years where when you go back and redraft the draft, the guy who should have been picked high went 10 or 20 or 30 spots later because nobody spotted who he was. Right. Do you think this draft is going to be just absolutely nails and and be the unusual draft that goes in the order it should or Teams are so good at developing players that we're just always going to have guys sliding and you know, finding a Kawhi Leonard in the teens, which granted isn't where the Jazz are picking, but finding a Kawhi Leonard or a Donovan Mitchell or a Giannis Antetokounmpo or whoever, they're they're going to be awesome players who aren't going in the top three or top five like they did in the 80s when everything was locked down.
2: Yeah, you know, every year you find you know, Jens late in the first and even the second. Desmond Bain went uh, to the Memphis Grizzlies with the 30th pick in the draft last year. I mean, so you can point to that and say, okay, here's a chance. But like I know last year, the Jazz liked the bottom of the draft more than they did this year. They, They thought that the strength of last year's draft wasn't necessarily at the top, but the incredible depth as you got into the 20s and 30s. And I think teams are feeling less confident about that this year. Now, is there the possibility that one of these uh, young players could turn into a star. You know, we were talking about Brandon Boston, who was ranked number 11 at the top of our board. He's going to be there. JT Thor out of Auburn, who probably would have been a lottery pick in next year's draft if he had stayed in for a year, is going to be there. I mean, there's some prospects there. I think part of the problem for the Jazz is that they don't really have the, the time or roster space to really develop a young player who's particularly raw. They would prefer someone who could come and help them right now. And they also are going to have some financial crunches when they re-sign, hopefully, Mike Conley uh, this summer that are, means they're going to have to be very careful with how they use their their money. And so I think for those reasons, I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Jazz ultimately just decide to trade out of this draft, um, get a future asset, and, and hope that that asset is better than the 30th pick in the draft uh, in, in years to come. And it saves them a little bit of money and, you know, frankly, you know Utah has got some young players, whether that's Doku or um, uh, even Elijah Hughes, who they drafted last year. That they could, that really they struggled to develop last year, and those guys would probably be ahead of whoever they drafted this year, as far as that you know development priority came anyway. And so, I expect that most likely scenario is Jazz trade out. Probably second best scenario is maybe they find a deal and move up in the draft. Uh, where they can actually find a, a difference maker. I think that would be appealing uh, to Utah if they could do it. I think if they could get it in the high 20s uh, or late teens, then that's a very, very different equation about what type of player might be available to them. Um, but I, I think probably the least likely scenario for me right now is that the Jazz actually draft and keep the 30th pick in the draft.
1: So how are you supposed to do a mock draft if you don't even know which team is picking where? Because apparently the Jazz aren't the only team expected to be making a deal?
2: Well, that, it's funny that you asked. I just wrote this in my column today that I've never, in all my years of covering the draft, and unfortunately I'm an old man, so it's been there for a while, I've never seen so much, so many picks for sale or teams trying to move up or down in their draft. It looks like a typical second round. Five out of the first seven picks uh, might change hands. Uh, the Magic are looking at trading at eight. The Kings are definitely shopping nine. The Hornets have talked... The multiple teams, about 11. The Pacers have been shopping 13. The Warriors have been very open about 7 and 14 being for sale. Uh, and you can just go on and de- down the list with the Knicks and Lakers and what have you. And so the opportunities for the Jazz to move up are there. There's lots of teams selling. Uh, and, you know, it's just just what are you willing to offer to get up in the draft? And is drafting a rookie the right thing for the Jazz going forward? And, and I think if they could get, like I said, in the late teens or early 20s, I think that there, there might be a really good argument that that is going to be the cheapest way for the Jazz to be able to address some of their needs, you know, especially like maybe defensively on the wing, uh, than, than you know, trying to hit the free agent market and find someone that way.
1: So you mentioned already that some of the hype for some of these players isn't what it could be because they weren't playing college basketball and we couldn't see them. They were in the G League. Can you state confidently that it is uh, better for guys to go to the G League? More development takes place there. It is better to go to college basketball and be under the spotlight, even though the coach is trying to win now and development. I mean, yeah, I want to develop you, but I need to win now. Uh, that's an attitude for a lot of coaches. What do you think? And and given the fact that the G League hasn't really been the G League the last two years, do you even want to answer this?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think we know yet. Uh, I would say that NBA scouts were overall impressed with the G League, and they thought the level of competition was higher than college basketball. They liked that these players were learning pro sets. um, Right away, you know, the college basketball game is not the same as the NBA game, and so they thought that some of the players were – i um, not learning bad habits that they often learn in college because that's what, you know, success in college is, but you can't do that in the NBA. Uh, on the other hand, I think that, and this was a weird year because frankly most college players didn't get this either, but, you know, the year to be able to socialize and be in college and all the sort of growth that gets that, that comes from that. I think typically scouts think there's some value in that. Now this year because of COVID, it was a very different different situation, especially for the freshmen, and they probably didn't get to enjoy, uh, you know, much of that, uh, unfortunately. But I think overall, teams are not at all discouraged about the G League. I think they think that, you know, look, if these young men can come and improve themselves against NBA veterans, against people that were drafted, you know, in the first and second rounds of the draft, that if they can do it there, then that that's a much easier uh, uh, connect the dots to the NBA than it is understanding, you know, what someone does at Kentucky and how that necessarily translates one way or the other to the NBA.
1: Now, I could ask you several more things about this, and there are more things I want to know, but how much is it a moot point? At what point are 18-year-olds going to be able to be drafted again so that people can go from high school straight to, they don't need to go to college or the G League, they can just go straight to the NBA? How far off is that?
2: The NBA wants it. They've wanted it for a number of years. The problem is the Players Association which which has veterans that those guys come in and take take your jobs. And so, you know, you're always trying to figure out there, there's always more protection from the player side than there is obviously from the NBA side. And I, I eventually think that this will get done. I think that the Players Association just wants something from the NBA in return, and so far the NBA hasn't been willing to give up anything for that sort of negotiation point. And so the G League was a bit of a compromise in – that it allows NBA to get their hands on these prospects earlier uh, without having to really deal with the NBA Players Association. But I, I fully su- suspect the next time that there's collective bargaining, this will be a major point for the NBA and, and that you'll just see players going directly uh, to the NBA now. But I, I think in the meantime, the G League is a really nice step. I think it's better than players going over to Australia or going over to Europe and trying to figure it out figure it out that way and, look, college is always going to be a viable option for players, especially now uh, that they can be uh, you know, pay, paid for their endorsements. Uh, that's, that's going to make life a lot more attractive for college stars that have been frustrated in the past that they can't earn any money uh, while they're in college. Chad,
1: Chad Ford, NBA draft expert and proprietor of Chad Ford's NBA Big Board newsletter and podcast, is joining us here to talk about the NBA draft. I'm curious what you think of the foreign players in this draft. I think it's lost on no one. that While Luka Doncic is incredibly exciting, in addition to him, the NBA MVP, Jokic, foreign player, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Finals MVP, foreign player, also a two-time MVP. There is a whole generation of foreign players who are kicking butt and taking names. So are there more in this draft?
2: Yeah, this isn't the strongest international draft, but I think that there is three players that are all getting looks in the lottery. Not not in the high end. I don't think we're going to see, you know, the fifth pick in the draft. Though you know, Jonathan Kaminga um, is an international player that just came over to the United States early and was playing in high school the last couple of years. But I, I think that you start with Alpern and Sengun, uh, the Turkish big man. He's 18 years old, and this, this just blows my mind. He won MVP of the Turkish League. Not some junior division, the senior Turkish League, which is probably one of the two or three best leagues in Europe right now at 18 years old. That, only, only a player like Luka Doncic has really done anything like that before. The problem with Sengun, is that he's sort of a more traditional, old-school big man. Uh, And, you know, some teams wonder how exactly that's going to translate to the NBA right now, which is spreading the floor, using small ball fives. Can he stay on the floor defensively? But this young man is incredibly gifted offensively. There's some Nikola Jokic uh, in his game. He's not as big as Jokic, and, and I think that matters. But there's some of that just sort of basketball savantness in the way that he plays the game. Josh Giddy is a big point guard, point forward out of Australia, who's really intriguing as well. One of the best passers in this draft at 6'8", which is, you know, really impressive, uh, and had a really big pro debut in Australia this year, played exceptionally well for an 18-year-old. But he lacks an elite jump shot, and, you know, questions about his where he plays defense in the NBA are, are legitimate. And then Usman Garuba, who's playing literally on one of the best teams in Europe, Real Madrid, And it's their defensive stopper is a big man who really doesn't have much offense, but he's a terrific athlete and a terrific engaged defender. And some fans may have actually seen him in a, in a scrimmage in Las Vegas against team USA, where he was guarding and giving problems to Kevin Durant uh, from team USA. And so there's a, those are the three guys that I think will hear their names somewhere in the late lottery, mid first round. All of them I think are really interesting prospects. But unfortunately, no no, Luka Doncic is this year.
1: So the Final Four had some uh, some pretty good basketball players in there. Where are they going to slot in this draft, and how do you project them as the Final Four? Gonzaga and Baylor, they're, they're well represented.
2: Yeah, yeah, Jalen Suggs is going to be the first of that of that group off the board uh, and you know he's going to go anywhere from four to four to five probably in this draft I think the draft range is actually pretty tight he'll either go to Toronto at, at four or the Magic at five sort of barring a trade and I, I think people see him as one of the surest things in this draft he's tough uh, he's got a quarterback mentality as a point guard can play both positions excellent athlete needs to improve his jump shot but overall I, I think people see him as a very very high level prospect uh, in the draft Davion Mitchell, uh, who was the point guard at Baylor, obviously very intriguing, uh, one of the best on the ball, if not the best on the ball defender in college basketball last year, gets um, some comparisons to Donovan Mitchell. That you know, physically, there's a lot of similarities between them. The so Davion's a little bit smaller, and because he's a little bit smaller, he's sliding a little bit further down in the draft. I think his range starts with the Warriors at seven, and then you know goes down to about fourteen, and and then you know Jared Butler. Uh, who was uh, the most outstanding player in the final four uh, is a terrific guard. You can play both backcourt positions and absolutely a guide that the jazz might target. If they can get up into the late teens and early twenties, had a little bit of a medical scare when he came into the combine, they actually held him out and it was an undisclosed medical condition, but it went on for several weeks before the NBA cleared into play. So teams have gotten a little bit sketch on him and just about what his, what his health holds. But I think, That means he slid from late lottery down into the late teens or, you know, 20s, uh, where I think he has huge value. I think he's going to be a really, really good player in the league.
1: I'm curious, and you've touched on this with the Jazz, but about needing, you know, veteran help, win now. I'm curious if anybody among the elite Western teams, which I realize could be half the Western Conference, but Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Suns, Jazz, Warriors, uh, are any of these teams going to find immediate help in the draft? Are any of them poised for that? Or is it everyone's adding projects and nobody we see is going to be making a dent in the second round of the playoffs next year?
2: I oh, I, I think there's two things to say about that. One, um, I'm not sure that you ever find immediate help from rookies uh, in the draft. Even when rookies put up big numbers, uh, they tend to do it in a very inefficient way. If you look at plus-minus numbers for rookies on their teams, it's almost always negative. Uh, it, it's hard to say a rookie can win. Not that, not that they can't have a, a, a solid season, but it, it's hard for them to, to say they're going to help you win. And one great example of that was Tyrese Halliburton, who had an incredible rookie season at Sacramento, um, absolutely helped the Kings, and still couldn't really make a dent in their win, win, loss, win-loss record uh, last year. And so I think if teams are looking for immediate help and that this team, this player is going to help us win a bunch of basketball games next year, I think it's really, really hard to find in the draft. Now, I do think that you have to look at the totality of what a player might do. And if it's playing 10 to 15 minutes a night, just, you know, giving your starters some rest and and being able to come in and play competent basketball, then I do think that there's some help here. I think at the top of the draft, everybody's swinging for the fences. I think when you start getting into the late uh, late lottery and mid-first round, you have some teams with really strong playoff ambitions, whether that's the Pacers or the Warriors or the Knicks, uh, for for example, or the Pelicans who just made a big deal. And they're going to be after the guys like Davian Mitchell, Corey Kispert out of Gonzaga. We didn't talk about him. Maybe the best shooter in this draft. Um, Chris Duarte out of Oregon, who's a guy who's 24 years old already, but teams really see him as a defensive monster. Uh, And and I just really think it depends on where teams are at and what they're thinking. But my general rule of thumb is whether they're 18 years old or 22 years old, they're probably not going to help you win a lot of basketball games in year one. It's just a big, big transition to the NBA.
1: So making that trade with the Pelicans, did the Grizzlies set themselves up for three years from now? Could they have a young core? And is inevitably the 30-somethings age out of the NBA are the Grizzlies poised for a big leap in a couple of years?
2: Yeah, the Grizzlies are thinking about the future right now. They 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 made the playoffs last year. I think that was a welcome surprise for them, and they'd like to continue to build on that success. But they're not they're not ready to put a championship contender out there right now. And so, absolutely, I think that you're not going to see uh, the Grizzlies go get Corey Kispert to try to you know push them into two or three more wins in the season. They're going to go get a young guy and try to add to their core led by John Morant, and and hope that down the road they have a a team that could really compete for a championship. And I think that's the mindset for most of these teams right now when you're drafting, especially in the top ten. Is this a guy who could actually help us be in a championship someday, even if it takes two or three years uh, for them to be in the position to do so?
1: Chad, as always, we appreciate the time, and uh, thanks for coming on and talking draft.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me on the show.
1: Chad Ford, NBA draft expert, proprietor of Chad Ford's NBA Big Board newsletter and podcast. Thinks it's most likely the Jazz trade out of the first round. Roll that asset forward. And it makes sense. Provide a roster spot for a veteran. Save just a little bit of money. Assuming the Jazz are able to land Mike Conley. Money will be at a premium. Roster spot's already at a premium. And... Win-now modes suggest a veteran would be much more useful. More on the draft with Eric Walden coming up at 9 o'clock. Utah Jazz beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
0: The Top Sixty and Sixty is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the twenty twenty one season by listing off the top sixty players in the state of Utah, as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top Sixty and Sixty weekdays at 1.30. presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon on your home of the. The best college football coverage in Utah. Ninety-seven-five twelve-eighty. The Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
1: The Top 60, and 60 is back in the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at one thirty as Hanson and Scotty announce another member of the Top Sixty players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the Top Sixty and Sixty presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness right here on the Zone Sports Network. As long as we're talking college football, and we got a lot of draft today with the NBA draft coming up tomorrow, uh, I'm reading a lot of stuff about the fallout, the unintended consequences as the SEC expands. Are we on our way to a mega conference? Is the SEC going to the, raid the ACC for four teams and be a 20-team league, two 10-team divisions? There was a time when Jackie Sherrill, the former Texas A&M coach, said four 20-team divisions, 80 teams, you got 20 team conferences, 10 team divisions, and you got 80 teams at the highest level. Now, 80 is a big number and it doesn't look like there's happening. That's happening. It preserves college football's middle class, college football's middle class is getting squeezed. Unintended consequences of the SEC expanding, Alabama and LSU aren't going to play nearly as often. That's a marquee game. But if they end up in separate divisions like everyone thinks and the speculation down in SEC country leads people to believe that's where it's going, that rivalry is lost. Now Texas Texas A&M is, you know, a go again, but Oklahoma Oklahoma State's in jeopardy. Will they play it as a non-conference game? Will it move to the start of the season? You know, there's all kinds of questions to be answered, but Bedlam has there have been some pretty fun Bedlam games. And that's toast. Now you get Alabama-Florida more often, so you got all these trade-offs. But teams are getting squeezed out, and they were bringing up how West Virginia has played in some of the highest-rated football games. I didn't know that reading the story, but they're talking about a couple crazy games they were involved in with Oklahoma. And now West Virginia, clearly in the middle class, is getting squeezed. And you can't help but be a Utah-BYU fan and watch this unfold and think, mm. What's happening here? (laughs) And where's the seat at the table for us? And for a long time, BYU dreamed of being in the Big 12. Now maybe they can get in. How will the Big 12 be treated? We've had two classes of leagues, Power Five and Group of Five. But are we really about to have three or four? Because I think people looked at the AAC, the American, and the Mountain West were looked at differently than the Sun Belt. And had different TV deals. So we're just going to get this stratified thing where these two or three leagues are at the top and then these two or three leagues. Right now, the the proposal is six conference champions get in. And I think they have to let more conference champions in because I don't think anybody's going to tune in to watch a tournament that has six Big Ten teams and six SEC teams. If you're going to make it a national sport, you're going to have to let people in from all across the country. If the Big 12 sticks together... It comes out of it lessened, certainly, but maybe not as, less, as much lessened as people think. And what is the Pac-12 going to do, and what is the Big Ten going to do? Is the Big Ten going to raid other leagues? Will it be the ACC or the Pac-12? And what gets lost there? The familiarity, the rivalries, what takes a hit? Many questions, few answers. But already looking out at it, the fallout of the SEC. And now, back to basketball. (laughs) We got Summer League tickets. NBA action is back August 3rd, 4th, and 6th as the Salt Lake City Summer League returns to Vivid Arena. Lower bowl tickets start at just $12 to see the Jazz, the Spurs, and the Grizzlies compete. Visit slcsummerleague.com to lock down your seats today. Jazz are going to have two teams in that. They call them an A-team or a team or B team I don't remember what they were going with. No, they went with colors. It's the yeah. white team and the blue team. That's what yes. they're going with. Don't want you ignoring the second team and treating them as the JV. The
0: B-team.
1: Well, and just as importantly, when you're talking to agents, you think agents want their players on the B-team? Nope. Nope. And let's be honest. They might have more players available at one position. At one position, both teams could be really strong. At another position... You know, maybe you just don't, don't have access to point guards or to big men. I mean, I think big men would be the easiest thing to go to. So, Yach's got a four-pack, and we'll take caller 12 right now. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Four tickets to go to the Utah Jazz Summer League. It's August 3rd, 4th, and 6th downtown at the Vivint Arena. DJ and PK. Coming up next, Simone Biles. Pulls out of gymnastics, mental health concerns. I don't think this is just a gymnastic story. I don't think this is just an Olympic Simone Biles story. Riley Jensen coming on next. Consulting mental per- performance coach and uh, college football expert. And I'm going to ask him a lot about what Tim LaCombe told us about college athletes. And I think Riley's going to back it up. So... If you are parenting or coaching high school or college athletes, this conversation isn't just for Olympic gold medalists. And it's next. Stay with us.